0: Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast, episode number four. Uh, And uh, we are here again this week covering five new albums from... Tom Lewin's book, 1000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I need to introduce my co host with me every week, as always, the bioluminescent Mitchell Davis.
2: <laughs> I'm going to have to start writing these words now. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Hello?
1: Yeah. I think they're doing fine. I don't know. Some of them may be, <laughs> may be doing, you know, crappy. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Hopefully uh, some of the music will help uh, I don't think probably the first band will help But some of it might help um, <laughs> So uh, this week We're going to be talking about um, Allison Chains Their album Dirt Moe's Allison His album Allison Wonderland uh, Allison As in his last name Get it? Yeah. Alman <laughs> um, Brothers Live at the Fillmore East uh, The Almanac singers and herb alpert and the tijuana brass uh their album whipped cream and other delights uh so yeah another diverse selection on today's show uh no yeah yeah and, and some cool stuff and um some stuff uh obviously i'd never heard before probably you too
2: yeah yeah definitely a couple of the artists i was you know very unfamiliar with but uh you know, always, always interesting stuff, you know, like I said, very diverse. So uh, definitely fun uh, discovery.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's what this uh, book is all about. Just, you know, discovering um, all this diverse stuff, stuff you've never heard. And again, it's, it's fun and, um, and interesting as always. Um, so let's just go ahead and start with Allison Chains, their album Dirt uh, that was released in 1992. And uh, this is one that, was a favorite of mine. I mean, it came out, uh, Oh, I'd say right after, right after I graduated high school. Um, I had been a fan of Alice Chains before that from their previous release, their debut release, uh, and, uh, that released when I was in high school. And, uh, this one is definitely their most successful album. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's the one that, Sort of put them on the map, and uh, you know, best-selling album, all that stuff. Um, uh, what are your memories of this album?
2: Well, the the thing that comes to my mind first is a uh, a song that we, we may very well listen to was Wood. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was just a very huge moment for them, where when that song first got attention, I think it was. Uh, a movie that came out called Singles. Oh yeah, right. That was that was one of the songs on the single soundtrack. I want to say maybe like the very first song on it. Because people were coming in. I, I know when you know we were working together at, you know, said music store, um, you know, just droves of people were looking for this song. And I, I knew of Alice in Chains from their first record where I, I had a couple of people trying to get me to listen to it saying, Man, this this is a metal band, but they're a little different. They kind of got an edge. Sometimes a little bluesy, sometimes a little funky, but I think you might like them. And, and I did, but uh, but this record was so much different from from that stuff before. And then having all the things going on in Seattle uh, with, with Nirvana and, and groups like that, I think that really helped them, even though they really weren't, I guess, what you would call grunge. You know, just the attention focused on that city helped them a lot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was just a perfect storm for them when when that song, you know, came out and it was just sort of like a precursor to, to help, you know, blow that album up. You know, and the success on that album, I think, was was a good thing, definitely for them as far as sales. But then maybe a bad thing where, you know, the issues that that group had, especially the singer, you know, with with drugs i mean i think it just probably made that a lot worse uh-huh uh, so that, that's definitely my first thought is 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 how you know success was a double-edged sword definitely for for them on that record
1: Oh yeah i mean i think for a lot of those people that came out of that scene in seattle uh in the early 90s success was a double-edged sword um and yes yeah, singles i i've i kind of forgot about that movie um but yeah, that movie is such a movie of its time, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think if I if I watched it now, it it would I mean, if I remember it right, I think it would feel really dated.
2: Yeah. But <laughs>
1: this this album doesn't feel dated to me. No. I think it, it holds up really well. Um and I think um Allison Chains are really unique in the kind of hard rock or metal world. They're they're sort of uh, at that time, nobody really sounded like them, and I don't think anybody since really sounds like them.
2: Especially yeah. on that record, they had the 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 time on some of their songs was was really unusual. And um, I mean, some of those songs, I, I I just think of just like this big massive tank, you know, just going through and just taking out stuff. I mean, that's that's the image I get in my head of so many of of the songs on that album. I mean, you know. The, the, the rooster, you know, and just, just really good, good, you know, at times slow and then sometimes upbeat, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed, the, you know, the, the mix of, of sounds on that album. I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was definitely different from anything else that had come out of yeah, up to that point to me anyway.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. One of the things I like about um, a lot of the stuff on dirt and, you know, just about Allison Chains in general is how honest of a band they were, just sort of how open they were with uh, with their demons and and addictions, and they, they were just they're just sort of all out there. You know, they weren't yeah. one of these bands that um, you know were shooting up heroin every weekend and then you know writing songs about how you shouldn't do drugs and all that. You know what I mean? They were just yeah,
2: they, they didn't front at all. I, yeah, I, That was they definitely had a dark edge to them, but it didn't seem. You know, and I, I don't want to say phony, but a lot of groups, when they, they purvey that dark edge, it, it seems phony. It didn't seem phony with them. It seemed very personal, you know, and, and very real.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the, the first track that we're going to listen to uh, an excerpt from is Wood. And uh, this is the last track on the album. Uh, apparently, um, the guitarist Jerry Cantrell. Wrote this song uh, In honor of the lead singer Of this band called Mother Love Bone uh, Whose yeah. name was Andrew Wood Who died of a heroin overdose In 1990 um, And in- Incidentally um, uh, Andrew Wood's bandmates Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament Went on from that to form Pearl Jam uh-huh. um, But uh this was you know it was obviously something that was really prevalent in that music scene um the the drug use the heroin use um and uh you know listening to a lot of these songs on this album it, it's really kind of weird to hear it now in hindsight um the lead singer uh, lane staley um died from an overdose in 2002 and uh, and a lot of the lyrics of this song, it's almost like he's foretelling his his early death. I mean, it's really kind of so, eerie.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I you know he he when they did that MTV unplugged record and in that performance, to me he he looked like he was just so drained, you know. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, he he's got to turn this around, or he he may not make it, and he did, you know. And, I mean, it's, it's sad to see so many guys that, that have talent like that, that that just cannot shake that stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, it, it almost seemed like he was, he was, you know, foretelling his own, you know, grim demise in that song, you know, singing about someone else, but, you know, it, it applied to him as well.
1: Um, well, uh, not just that song, though. In the, um, uh, we're going to listen to another track, Down in a Hole, you know that song, um, "Them Bones." He's talking about, yeah. um, you know, um, you know, I feel so alone. Gonna end up a big old pal of them bones and all that. You know, it's just weird. But
2: writings um, on the wall for 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 me, yeah, pretty much. And, it, and 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 like like I was saying, it they didn't front at all. I mean, they were putting out there, but I mean, when you hear that record and you just you're grooving. You don't think man is it really that bad and apparently it was, you know.
3: Mhm.
1: Well, yeah, and and also um their original bass player Mike Starr um who apparently left the band while they were on tour with Ozzy Osbourne when they were touring for this album, um this album Dirt. Um he he just died this year of a drug overdose. Oh. So, yeah, I mean two of the four are gone already from drugs. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So um uh but I think the the guitarist Jerry Cantrell and the drummer are, are doing well. Um and uh, I, I in fact I just listened to uh um iTunes Celebrity podcast with Jerry Cantrell um on it. So Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna
2: have check that out. I, I usually try to keep up with that. that those are pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, one of the th- one of the things that um, is cool about this song "Wood" uh, for me is uh, well, a couple things that are unusual. One, this the song starts out with Jerry Cantrell on lead vocals, which you know he's the guitarist and he sang backup, but the song yeah. starts with him on lead and Lane Staley singing backup, um, which you know I thought was a little unusual. And uh, then about, um, I don't know, three quarters through the song, the song takes a sort of turn and you get this key change and it goes from a, like a minor mode to a major mode. So you get a key change and a mode change and it's really kind of uh, almost jarring um, to hear. It is, it's kind of unexpected and, you know, again, unusual and just a, a cool moment. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I what I and what I take from that is it, it's almost like the, the ocean where you get a you get a like a nice swell and it starts off kind of, you know, quiet and peaceful almost and then all of a sudden you get this huge wave that, you know, you're like, "Uh-oh." <laughs> you know. Yeah. That, that that's the feeling I I if, if, I think that's kind of what you're trying to say too is, you know, it it, it has like a almost like an undertow to where you you you're not expecting it to. To go where it went, you know, but I think that's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it's it's one of those songs where it, it it doesn't start moody, but then it gets very moody. Um, and I mean that that's kind of, I guess, you know, descriptive of the, that situation, you know, where it, you know everything is good at first, you know, and and then all of a sudden it's 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 really not, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so let's check it out. This is Wood by Allison Chains from their album Dirt. Just heard "Wood" by Allison Chains, and we're going to move on to an excerpt from "Down in a Hole." And I wanted to play this one because it's uh, it's kind of a departure from the rest of the album. Most of the album is uh, very heavy, and there's definitely heavy parts in this song. But the overall tone of this song is really kind of mellow and gentle. And one of the things that it features is some really beautiful harmony vocals um in this song from you know lane staley and jerry cantrell um yeah uh what do you think of this song
2: love it like you said just you know great vocal harmonies uh, great moment where the like you said the, the record kind of shifts and you know that that can be fun on on an album where you you kind of have songs that are you know really abrasive and then maybe have a moment where it's it's not but it still works you know and uh, that that's what i take from this song you know just you know they they just show you what they can do what they could do and how diverse they were you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah you typically don't get this you know these kind of vocals in a metal band it's just you just don't see that in metal you know um, yeah, you I- usually see guys that are usually really good musicians, you know, uh, technicians on their instruments, you know, really able to execute, um, uh, you know, really complex rhythms and guitar soloing and all that. But the vocals just are, are not usually up to this level.
2: Yeah. And I love it when bands, bands have have two, two guys that will sing lead, you know, not just necessarily a guy that always sings a lead, yeah, then a guy that always sings the background. I I've I've always loved that when guys will, will exchange that role, you know, that can be really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one reason why I always uh, always really liked um uh this band from Houston, uh King's X. Because yeah. they were they're a really heavy band, but they also had these, you know, gorgeous vocal harmonies going on and just unusual, again something you just didn't hear in metal very often. So
2: Yeah, yeah, King's X is great, definitely.
1: Um, yeah so let's check this out uh, Down in a hole Allison Chains. a Hole by Allison Chains from their 1992 release Dirt and uh, we're going to move on to 60's hipster Moe's Allison um, and from his uh, well, from, from his release Alice in Wonderland this album was actually released in 94 but it's a collection of his recordings from the uh, I think the early to mid 60's um, and this guy I had never even heard of him um, until this album, or until this, uh, until the book, until I read about it in the book, have you had you heard of him?
2: Before? I definitely was familiar with his name, but okay. not necessarily with his music. I, I I knew he was, you know, basically kind of like jazz blues, you know. I knew yeah. he was sub, but but until I actually sat and listened to his music, I, the first thing I noticed was how cynical he was in in his <laughs> lyrics. Uh, you know. It kind of reminded me of, uh, of of Randy Newman a little bit. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I was like, okay, uh, this is kind of funny, you know. <laughs> uh, and then on top of him just being able to play with really well, I mean, you know, it was it was good exposure. Like, you know, like I said, I I pretty much, I mean, I only knew him by name. I just I knew that name just by seeing it, but I didn't really know much about him at all. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that that seems to be like the. Uh the main thing about this is, are his, his lyrics. I mean, uh, he's, you know, got this sort of witty sort of biting, uh, sometimes lyrics that comment on, uh, uh, you know, on society, you know, social things or whatever, but, um, they're, they're often, um, oh, kind, kind of tongue in cheek and sometimes kind of acerbic and, you know, uh, yeah. al- almost like, uh, in, it, like in the beat poet sort of style, but, um, with a little yeah. bit more of a wink in his eye. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think the, the, the thing about this too, is if, if you listen to something like this and you take offense, then, you know, that's fine. You know, just look in the mirror and if you got something wrong with what you see, change it, you know, but, um, uh, you know, I, I got it. You know, he probably has a lot of himself in these songs, but then again, he's probably looking at other things around him that he sees and he's just, you know, putting it down in his own special way, you know. So, um, you know, like I said, definitely there's a there's a sense of poetry, maybe even like beat poetry to it, you know, where the things that are going on in, in society and, you know, at that time and even now, some of the stuff that he was uh, seeing seems very relevant. Um, mm hmm. And uh, I think there's one song uh, we, we may listen to, uh, I think, it's Your Mind is on Vacation. Um, oh, I didn't
1: pull from that, but you can talk about it.
2: Yeah, that, that was a great one. I mean, that, that was just very funny. Your your, your um, Mind's on Vacation, and, uh, I, 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 and I, I'm I stumped right now. I forgot to uh, say it.
1: I think he says, Your Mind is on Vacation and Your Mouth is Working Overtime.
2: There we go. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I was like, man, that's brilliant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we all know someone like that, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the thing, like I said, you know, if if the shoe fits, you know, wear it. You know, and Uh I mean, that's just one of those things I took from it that was was just really funny. You know, because, I mean, I go back to Randy Newman. You know, when when he was doing a lot of what he did back in the day, like when he did short people, he made a lot of people upset, you know, with Mm -hmm. that song. He was just like you know. Oh well, you know, it's <laughs> too bad. You know, I'm sorry. You know, this is just my opinion. You know, if you don't like it, you don't have to agree with it. You know, uh, he. I'm pretty sure he he said it a lot more poetically than that. You know,
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean that Randy Newman comparison. That's that's great. I, that's one that I didn't even think of. And I have to ad- admit, you know, when I first started listening to this album for the show, uh, this is probably the most difficult. Album for me that we've heard so far, and, and it, because I'll explain it to you. Because at first, I just I wasn't getting it, and you know I emailed I emailed you about it too. I was like, man, help! <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not getting this. Uh, and one of the reasons that um, I didn't I wasn't getting it at first was um, just I think me you know being an instrumentalist and and you know having the the mind of a composer that I do um, I'm always coming at things from the musical side first. And Uh so when I, when I first started hearing these pieces, uh, a lot of them are really just kind of generic sort of 12 bar blues.
2: Yeah. Presentations
1: Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And I was just like, you know, I don't get this, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't understand what's special about this. But once I started, you know, really listening to his words and listening to what he was saying and how he was saying it, and, you know, then I slowly I was like, all right, you know, I, I get this, you know. Um,
2: yeah. And then, yeah. and the, the music is, is not necessarily the main focus. Right. I mean, right. It's, it's definitely an important part, but it's it's not there to, to definitely override what he's saying. And, um, you know, I, I'm like you like that where I, I'll come at something where I'm I want to hear the music first, you know, and then what you're saying, you know, I can listen to that, you know, maybe next. But, and a lot of people are exact opposite, you know. But it's just however you look at it. But you know, once once I got to hear what he said, I was like, oh, okay, he's he's just basically kind of, you know, going on a spiel. And and like you said, the the music it is it is somewhat simple, but it 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 helps in where it, it doesn't override what he's saying, you know. Which I think is is his main focus is his lyrical content. So
1: oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's the point. That's the whole thing about this music is the lyrics and just I think the music is just kind of a secondary vehicle. It's just a a way of delivering the words, really, and the words are the focus here. I think. Although you know, uh, in a lot of the songs, he'll take a, a sort of go off in an instrumental break and do kind of an improvised solo. He's mm-hmm. a, he's a great improviser. I love his solos. Um, uh, they're they're kind of full of. Um, you know, he's got the facility to plan, but they've got that same kind of sly wit to them, you know what I mean and and yeah. sort of uh, winking his eye uh, in the just the music musical solos that he takes. so yeah. um yeah, like that the the first um, excerpt that we're gonna listen to is from a cover that he's doing um which is a perfect cover for him to do of Hank Williams hey Good luckin. Uh I just really liked his version of this. It's uh it's it's definitely, you know, he made it his own thing and it's uh I think far enough removed from the original that uh I just thought it was cool.
2: Yeah, that's a song that's been covered quite a bit. Oh uh, yeah. And uh yeah, he, he has a he has a very good version, definitely. I you know I'm I'm glad to have, you know, discovered more of what he's about, you know, you know, outside of just his name and <laughs> you know it it's it'll be cool to you know kind of dig down and and look at clips of him and and look at more of his stuff so
1: yeah yeah and one of the things that um you'll hear during his little solo uh, that he takes on piano in this song that I just thought was kind of cool and kind of funny is that he vocalizes uh he sort of um moves his mouth back away from the microphone and he vocalizes the beat during that entire solo so he's playing the solo and uh, it's a little hard to hear. You might have to put on headphones. But he's going eh, 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 like the whole time with his mouth.
2: I <laughs> guess that helps him to keep time or whatever.
1: Yeah, but I mean it works too. I mean it, it totally works. You know, with the solo and uh, creates a cool groove and yeah. So anyway, here it is—the uh, the excerpt from Hey Good Looking.
4: Hey, good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? what you say, baby? I don't mean maybe Bet that we could find a brand new recipe I got a hot ride for that $10 bill I know a spot right over the hill we we'll just pretend that living is free Why don't you come home with me? Hey, good looking What you got cooking? How's about cooking? Something up with me Will. I don't intend to leave the time. baby we
1: waste time. all right that was hey good looking from Mose Allison um, originally done by Hank Williams and we're gonna move on to the song called fool killer um you know I like the song for a couple of reasons um, one was the um sort of uh I don't know what to call it I'm not an expert in um, South American forms but it's kind of a bossa nova sort of samba ish kind of feel uh yeah. i just thought it was kind yeah. of cool and the lyrics are um again this sort of cutting social commentary lyrics um you know he says in this uh, excerpt i'm gonna play uh, among the lyrics he says um, um i've been living in this concrete anthill scraping and scrapping for that dollar bill eight million people living on the brink uh, got no time to stop and think. So I thought that was, you know, even though he said that in the early '60s, you know, it's it's I think even more relevant now. Yeah, something it, like it, that.
2: Definitely. That it, nothing's changed. It's it's the same grind, and I that's what I got from that too. Where the, especially the part about thinking, you you get so caught up in the so-called rat race, is that you you can't think straight. You know, right. it's is you spend every waking hour you know just grinding it out which is we're really not meant to live that way you know
1: well i know Um, it kind of you know it kind of makes you stop and think you know that you know maybe they keep us running around like rats so we can't think straight you know yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah, i agree
1: (laughs) yeah um and uh, and it, again, in this one, you know, he also takes a, a cool piano solo and, and kind of an unusual one in this uh, that I thought was cool. Uh, I don't know. Anything else? Any other thoughts you th- had about this one?
2: Uh, you know, just the, the fact that, you know, I, I love the, the social commentary in and, and this song and, and other songs that were, you know, focused on this collection and uh, it's just one of those things that that makes you, like you said, makes you stop and and realize, you know, what's what's really important in my life? You know, what do I need to do to to survive and, and have a quality of life that's that's better? You know, and, and that's what I try to take from all of this stuff rather than, you know, I mean, you could try to look at this, you know, it's like, man, it, you know, this guy, it's almost like he's, you know, picking my life apart and showing all this negative stuff. I don't like this and. And, and you know, you could take it that way, you know, or you could just take it as, you know, hey, I, I can do better, you know, and um, yeah,
1: yeah, we definitely, you know, need these kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of a nightclub philosopher, you know, we we need these kind of people to remind us sometimes that we need to stop and think, yeah, you know, so um, let's check it out this excerpt from Mose Allison, Fool Killer. I've
4: been living in this concrete, eight hill, scraping and sprapping for that dollar bill. Eight million people living on the brink, got no time to stop and think. The Fool Killer's coming, I do believe it's true. But well, when the Fool Killer's coming, I think
3: he's got his eye on me,
4: and- Place too high because the bull killers come in, you get closer every day. The bull killers come in. I got to try to make my getaway.
1: And that was Fool Killer from Mose Allison. His uh, collection of uh songs Allison Wonderland from nineteen ninety-four. And uh, we're going to move on to the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore East uh, that was recorded in March of 1971. And uh, this album has become really one of the quintessential live rock albums ever. Um, And uh, I think after listening to this, you know, I'd heard Allman Brothers before. I've heard, you know, Whipping Post and some of their other tunes. I'd never heard this particular live album until now, and after hearing it, you know, I think that the Allman Brothers um, really started a legacy, not just kind of codifying what Southern rock should be, but I think they also left a legacy to other bands um, that maybe later became known as jam bands. Exactly. So you know, the bands like Fish and, uh-huh. and and all this sort of thing that which is you know, a huge scene now. I mean, these bands play to huge crowds all over the place and having people following them around. And you usually think of maybe the grateful dead as, uh, I don't know the sort of fathers of that, but this is, I mean, th- there were some moments when I was listening to this album that I thought, you know, I heard this exact thing, you know, in 1995 when I saw fish or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, what do you think of this album?
2: Oh, they they're incredible. Um I think this is just a great example of them you know at their best where especially in a live setting. I mean, there are a lot of groups where in studio they're good, but on on stage they're very very good. Um you know, like a band like Fishbone where I I I've never seen them live where you know, they didn't just bring it. And I mean, in a way where they, they, it just can't come out that way on studio record, you know? And I mean, just the, the improvisation and and the chemistry. I mean, Greg as a singer and an organist. And I mean, the, the whole band was, was just tough. I mean, and then that, you know, the, the clip you sent me earlier in the week, I mean, it was just awesome. I mean, you know, they, they were just one of those groups that I mean, they they had so much charisma on stage, and I mean, you know, the, that sound that I mean, it was southern, but it was rocking, and uh, you know, I, I, when I looked at the clip afterwards, you know, uh, it was a comment basically saying like, after that show, I bet you they had, you know, they they probably had so many people after them, you know, for for various reasons. You know, I I bet at that time they were extremely, extremely popular, Uh you know, um, especially with the ladies. I I just imagine that, (laughs) you know, they, you know, didn't have any issue there. I mean, that's that's just what I get from seeing that performance. I mean, they were they were awesome.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, um, yeah, I sent Mitch this uh, YouTube clip. There's a a clip from uh, and actually it's not from this show. It's from an earlier show in 1970, a year earlier. But um, there, there's um, some live clips out there on YouTube of them playing this stuff, playing Whipping Post and uh, State Spore of Blues and A Memory of Elizabeth Reed and all, a lot of the stuff that's on this album. And uh, it, you really um, get a sense of, just like you said, you know, what a great live band they were. Um, and, and that's a great point that you bring up, that there's some bands that excel in the studio and there's some bands that excel live, you know that you you just have to go see live to really experience them and uh yeah, I think this is definitely one of those bands um and uh they were no uh stranger to tragedy um yeah, you know a little um we've got a lot of tragedy on this show man Allison Chains <laughs> yeah. and now Owen brothers, but um this. Album, like I said, Live at the Fillmore East was recorded March 1971. And just 14 days after this album went gold in October 1971, uh, Dwayne Allman, who is one of the guitar players, was killed on his motorcycle. Yeah. So, man, talk about going out right when you yeah. achieve that, you know, you're right when you achieve success, you know, and, um, what that's got to do to your band. And, you know, Greg Allman uh, obviously was, uh, the singer and keyboardist for the group, the band is called the Almond Brothers, and you lose your brother. I mean, man, it'd be tough to go on, you know, from something like that.
2: Yeah, but they did.
1: They did. Um, in fact, you know, they um, uh, poked a little fun at it. I guess you know that was that was how part of how they dealt with it. But the the album that came out um, <laughs> after Dwayne's death was called Eat a Peach because. Dwayne, uh, it was a peach truck that killed Dwayne. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they went on and, um, I think they've had, uh, a lot of different members over the years, but you know, they keep going. They're still going now, still going, still going strong. So um,
2: they eat a peach store. I I didn't know that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I you know, the first, um, Track that we're going to play an excerpt from is actually an instrumental. It's uh, this piece called In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. And I picked this because it really shows uh, what an amazingly great band this was and uh, really highlights the two guitar players. So uh, the aforementioned Dwayne Allman. And Dicky Betts, and um, they're both, uh, you know, capable of doing all the noodly soloing, you know, that you would expect from, you know, long, long jams and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, they're also capable of this really lyrical, really beautiful playing, and they're just so tight and just so uh, in sync with one another. Um, they just get this amazing sound together and uh you know it seems like they're always you know working in tandem with each other and working off of each other and you can really hear it in this track um yeah what did you think of this
2: awesome just like you said you know great mix of how the guitar player and and the rest of the group you know blend together and and just jam you know just yeah, like, like you were talking about them, you know, inspiring other jam bands, you know, they, they could just groove, you know, for, you know, minutes, seemingly hours. I mean, I mean, they didn't play for a whole hour, but I mean, it, it seemed like they could just play forever, you know, and, and not get tired of being in that, in that same groove and, and had everybody going. And, you know, I, I, I think they, they had something that, you know, they probably didn't even realize how much would influence, you know, people after them. You know,
1: oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: That that, that's just one of those things that it's 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 hard to catch when you when you have that kind of chemistry. You know, it's it it just it just happens. You know, and I I mean I have a lot of respect for what they can do live. You know, just you know it's it's hard to keep that kind of groove going and 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 keep it fresh and keep it interesting. You know, without Uh it going stale. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, and I mean this track. I think uh, really goes, you know beyond blues, beyond Southern rock. Um, and it you know brings in a lot of different influences and um, just really creates something unique. So uh, let's just check it out. Uh, this excerpt from in Memory of Elizabeth Reed. That was in memory of Elizabeth Reed uh, from the Almond Brothers, and we're going to move on to one of their biggest hits, really, "Whipping Post." Um, This song, you know, my first encounter with this song was sort of uh, funny. Um, It wasn't with the actual song. Um, Before I did, you know, really heard Almond Brothers. uh, I've always been a fan, big fan of Frank Zappa and uh there was one of his live albums i think it was you can't do that on stage anymore volume two they do this uh you know they play zappa's song this song called um um oh what's it called that's something to do with dental floss anyway i can't remember the title (laughs) but um you know uh in this on this uh you know almond brothers record um right before they play Whipping Post, this, this guy out in the crowd, you know, shouts, Whipping Post, you know, calls out for it. Mm-hmm. And they play Whipping Post. Well, this album with Frank Zappa that came out a couple years after this did, um, that happens. They're getting ready to play this song, and some dude in the crowd says, Whipping Post.
3: <laughs>
1: and uh, Frank stops, and he says, Excuse me? And the guy says, Whipping Post. And, you know, Zappa... Sort of says, okay, um, we don't know whipping post. Can you sing it for us? You know, maybe if you <laughs> sing it for us, you know, we can we can play it. And so this, this guy starts trying to sing it, and anyway, and then they they play this song, um, and every time the word dental floss comes up, they replace it with whipping post, and right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's funny. But um, the, anyway, that was my first experience with uh, and <laughs> Brothers whipping post. But uh, yeah, um, this track whipping post I think really set the stage for what southern rock should be you know what I mean mm-hmm. um it's it's kind of you know based in blues and there's got some gospel in there too um and the content the lyrical content is kind of endemic to the region you know what I mean yeah uh and just the attitude and the soloing I don't know it just it, it to, to me it kind of set the template set set the bar for what this is what southern rock is this is what it's supposed to be you know
2: yeah i I agree with you i I just think you know i i i love greg i mean you know he's just one of those guys that you know he brings so much to the table with his, his voice and the way he plays i mean you can tell i mean obviously he grew up in the south probably grew up you know part in church you know but then maybe was influenced by the blues and you know He's just one of those guys, he's, he's just like an icon, you know, especially in the South, you know, where, you know, he, he could take rock or blues or maybe even gospel feel and kind of mix them together and make them work, you know, and there's a lot of people that, that have done that. But, you know, he, he kind of put his own stamp on it, you know, and uh, and it's I, I think you really feel that in this song.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um you know, I wish we could, again, you know, play the whole thing. You really get the jam band uh, feel from this track. Because this track, this one track, I think, um, goes on for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from, you know, just jamming and playing and stuff. And that's edited. I want to I wanna stress that. That is edited for content to fit on an album. So, you know, the actual version was longer. Um, yeah. This is an edited version um, that goes on for 20 <laughs> minutes. So um, here it is. Uh, let's check it out. this excerpt from "Whipping Post" from the Almond Brothers) heard whipping post from the Allman Brothers from their album Live at Fillmore East from 1971 and we're going to move on to the Almanac Singers uh, some really really early um, folk music and uh, this was uh, this group was uh, really spearheaded by Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie you know the sort of godfathers of um this movement in America of folk music that was, uh, was kind of socially and politically aware, yeah, um, and uh, you know they were kind of the original um, political and social activist folk music group um, that yeah. that inspired, you know, and really shaped and was so hugely influential on uh, the movements of the nineteen sixties and music and the hippie movement and. All that stuff. I mean, this is this is really um, where it all started. And uh, I wanted to read this um, this little excerpt from the book um, that uh, Tom Moon mentions. He says, musicologist Alan Lomax once fixed the date uh, the date that folk music started at uh, March third, nineteen forty, when Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie met at a migrant worker benefit concert. And so yeah they met at this concert and formed this uh this group of people and uh they started singing about things you know socially conscious issues politically conscious issues um against the backdrop of music uh largely from you know traditional folk music of the south and the the kind of Appala- Appalachian region and um yeah
2: yeah, I, I I was familiar with with Pete and Woody, you know, you know, after this, but most of this stuff I had never heard of, and uh, you know, didn't even realize uh, what had gone on. But it, it, you know, like you said, you know, I, I definitely feel the what they were trying to do politically, you know, where they were going. It when I listened to it, it it's almost a sense of where they they could write poetry. And put it to music and say almost anything they wanted to. Yeah, Yeah. and um, you know I almost liken that to to what rap and hip hop does now. You know, uh, you know Neil Young talked about that one time where he, he was saying like like folk and rap music are are types of music where people can say almost anything they want, you know, and and not necessarily have to have it come together like some songs do. You know, where it has to rhyme or whatever and um you know that's that can be a really powerful you know medium uh and and obviously you know listen to some of the songs of what they were singing about um like i think one of the tracks we may listen to uh uh where they they dance around hitler's grave i was like wow <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting <laughs> yeah you well know.
1: dude i mean i i heard that and i was like oh, oh yeah this one's a winner <laughs> this one's going on the show yeah um yeah. I mean, um, the, the first track that we're going to listen to, uh, an excerpt from is called Dear Mr. President from uh, 1941. This is a track, um, basically calling for the United States to enter world war two. So this was recorded before the United States had entered the war and, uh, people were still, you know, on the fence about, um, going to war and, uh, uh, it's funny, you know, or interesting that you mention, you know, this correlation between the folk music and rap music, because in this track, uh, it's obviously not a rap, you know, we're uh, uh, way too early for that. But um, it is uh, a sort of diatribe, like a political diatribe that is recited over music and not sung. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess for 1941, it's about as close as you could get to to rap, I guess.
2: I guess guess it's folk hop.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um,
2: Uh, Please, please KRS one, do not be mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: He, uh, you know, this, it's not just a, a rant about how we should get into world war two. You know, there's, there's other uh, stuff in this song, you know, calling for a racial and religious tolerance and equality and, just subjects that were a little ahead of their time. Um, Uh, you know, when I was listening to this, you know, knowing that this was recorded in 1941 and some of the things that he's saying, I'm like, wow, you know, these guys were progressive for their time.
2: Um, they were digging deep. They, they definitely wanted to, you know, seemingly put all the issues they could forward. And then, you know, I guess try to get a reaction, which I'm, I'm sure they got lots of reaction. I, I'm sure wherever they went, you know, some people really loved them and then some people hated their guts. You oh, know? Uh,
1: no doubt. No doubt. I mean, in the, in Tom Moon's book, he cites one example. Um, when in the early sixties, the ABC network, uh, you know, did a whole show on the folk revival and mm-hmm. they banned these guys from it yeah. because they were seen as, you know, leftists, commies, whatever, you know, during the time yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, you know it's funny. I went on uh, YouTube to sent, try to send you a link to this, and unfortunately, this song is not on YouTube. But what comes up when you do a search for "Dear Mr. President" is this song by Pink, which all everyone listening should go to YouTube and, and listen to it if you haven't heard it. It's a great song, and it's it's a song that is. Exactly in this tradition, it's not a remake of this song, but it's in the same tradition as this song. It is a folk song that is a political activist song, so it's kind of interesting.
2: Like, I have to check that out
1: <laughs> yeah, um so anyway, let's check this out. An excerpt from Dear Mr. President by the Almanac Singers. Now,
0: I hate Hitler, and I can tell you why. He's caused lots of good folk to suffer and die. He's got a way of shoving folks around. I figure it's about time we slapped him down. Give him a dose of his own medicine. Lead poison. Now, Mr. President, we haven't always agreed in the past, I know, but that ain't at all important now. What is important is what we got to do. We got to lick Mr. Hitler, and until we do, other things can wait. In other words, first we got a skunk to skin. War means overtime and higher prices, but we're all willing to make sacrifices. Hell, I'd even stop fighting with my mother-in-law, cause we need her, too, to win the war. Old oh, battle-axe. Now, as I think of our great land with its cities and towns and farming land, with so many good people working every day. I know it ain't perfect, but it will be someday. Just give us a little time. This is the reason that I want to fight, not because everything's perfect or everything's right. No, it's just the opposite. I'm fighting because I want a better America and better laws and better homes and jobs and schools and no more Jim Crow and no more rules like you can't ride on this train because you're a Negro. You can't live here because you're a Jew. You can't work here because you're a union man. There's a line keeps running through my head. I think it was something Joe Lewis once said said there's lots of things wrong but hitler won't help him now mr president your commander in chief of our armed forces the ships and the planes and the tanks and the horses i guess you know best just where i can fight all i want to be is situated right to do the most damage
1: all right that was dear mr president from the almanac singers and uh we're going to move on to the track that um yeah i was immediately like we got to have this on on the show it is called "Round and Round Hitler's Grave," and uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this other than that it's you know it's uh, pretty self-explanatory.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: well, I I don't really think it needs much explanation.
2: No, not really. Uh, yeah, they 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 were just like I said they were they were just they they didn't pull any punches seemingly you know when they were. Trying to let you know how they felt about things politically, and, and you know, obviously, that's uh, you know, I mean, it, it's pretty clear cut. I mean, they they were ready for Hitler to go. You know, oh
1: man, it's totally clear cut. I mean, there there's no metaphor here. There's no subtlety. It is absolutely just raw and in your face. Let's yeah. go kill Hitler and dance around and, his and, grave,
2: and I mean, and done in, in such a jolly manner. Yeah, know, where, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, as as Steve Martin once said, you can't sing a sad song while playing a banjo. It's not possible. You know
2: exactly. You took the words right out of my mind. I was thinking <laughs> about that exact that, that exact comparison. I, I remember when he was on TV and he done it, I was I was thinking, you know, Steve Martin. If he hasn't heard this, he should. You know, because I, I I mean, it's it, it's such a you know I, I don't want to say mean spirited, but I mean such a direct song. But like I said, it's 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 so, you know, like hoedown sounding, if that makes any sense. You know, yeah. like they're like having a good time here, you know, but uh, it's a it's a really interesting track. Really cool track.
1: Yeah. 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 So let's check it out. This track from the Almanac singer uh, Round and Round Hitler's Grave.
0: I had a bushel, wished I had a peck, wished I had old Hitler with a rope around his neck. Hey, round, round, the great, round, round we go. Come away, that poor boy down, he won't get up no more. Mussolini won't last long, tell you the reason why. We're going to solder his beef and hang it up to dry. Hey, round, round, hey, round, round hit the spray, round, round we go. The way that poor boy down, he won't get us no more. <laughs> the German Army General Staff, I guess they missed connection. Went a hundred miles a day, but in the wrong direction. Hey,
3: round, round Hitler's grave, round, round we go. Go away, that four more down,
0: it won't get us no
3: more. <laughs>
1: and that was Round and Round Hitler's Grave by the Almanac Singers. Um, and uh, we're going to move on to our final album for today Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass from their album Whipped Cream and Other Delights from 1965 you know not really as profound as the Almanac Singers but <laughs> <laughs> not even not really close I mean this I think the uh, the album title is appropriate you know this is like uh, whipped cream conf- confection you know for your ears I mean it's uh, it's uh, yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. It's, it's just to me it's it's lounge music. It's oh yeah you know, relaxing, martinis, you know, dinner party, you know, I, I, I love Herb Alpert. You know, he's just one of those guys that's he's he's had such a long career. I mean, he he's still basically, you know, around making records and had had so many different phases to his career, and this is just one. And um, uh, you know, I, I definitely uh you know Enjoy his his old material as well as the the, the material he's still doing now, um, and uh, you know it's just one of those things that um, when I first started listening to the tracks from from this album, you know it just reminded me of like I said, you know, just guys in in suits and you know smoking cigarettes and you know, yeah, having you know lounge time so to speak you know everybody's cool and you know everybody looks good and smells good so
1: exactly yeah exactly i mean that's it's 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 important to to say i think that you know this music uh on the surface you know when you look at the ensemble and there's horns and there's all this kind of stuff and it's instrumental you can mistake this for jazz this is not jazz um there's no improvisation here. There there is just not jazz. I mean, there are some jazz elements in there, but yeah. um but it's not jazz. I mean it's kind of this fusion of uh like, like mariachi, um, uh, jazz, Brazilian samba, R and B and 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 this kind of stuff together. Yeah. Um and the first track that we're gonna listen to is called A Taste of Honey. Uh all the tracks on this album are titled after food. So uh, most of it sweet food, which really, again, really apt for this music. (laughs) It's, you know, he he makes no bones about what this music is. It's not anything profound. It's not anything. It's just like these little delights, you know. Ear candy, ear candy, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well put, ear candy. Um, Wow. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) They found me. Uh um, yeah, yeah. drama. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, we're injecting drama into uh, herb alpert. Um <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, let's uh I don't know. Th- this a taste of honey. Um this is just uh, a really just a catchy tune. Um kind of uh this has nothing to do with the music, but it kind of reminds me of a, you know, like a 70s cop show music. <laughs> I don't know. Um I don't know, What do you think of this track?
2: Um, just, you know, background music. Like I said, it, this is music to me that it, it's, it's more about, you know, what's going on on the forefront than in the background, I guess, where, where people are kind of, you know, mingling and, and doing their thing. And, and the music is not meant to disturb that, you know, and I, I think that's what I feel when, whenever I listen to the tracks on this record, especially this one, um, you know, and uh, another one on here that I, I enjoyed a lot, I think, it was a uh, tangerine. Oh yeah, that that one's just another one where it's just you know set the mood, you know, make things light and airy, and you know, good music, but but nothing, you know, that is is meant to, you know, crack the sky. I guess you, if you, and I, not to be insulting to to Herb Alpert or his fans, you know, he's he's very talented. But but I think that's what he was trying to even do is just he just wanted to set the mood, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think Herb Alpert would be offended or insulted by that at all. I think he was fully aware of what this music was and and what he was doing with it. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's just check this out. Um, uh, excerpt from A Taste of Honey from Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass. <laughs> Thank you. Taste of Honey from Whipped Cream and Other Delights by Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass and we're going to move on to another track on the album that uh, I thought was kind of interesting called Peanuts Um, this sort of uh, created an association to my youth I mean believe it or not Um, this one I think more than any other track on the album has a real heavy uh, kind of Mexican mariachi feel to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, growing up in Houston, you, you hear that a lot. I mean, when I hear mariachi music, it actually reminds me of my ch- my childhood um, mm. in a lot of ways. And, um, uh, and, and one thing that was interesting, you know, when I was listening to this track, when I was going through the album, um, is that my wife was right behind me when I was listening to it. And she's from a, a almost all German background. And so we're listening to it and she says, wow, this sounds like something I would hear at Strassenfest and I started listening to it and I was like, You know, you're right. I mean it's I never would have uh you know, caught that, but to her it had like this polka vibe to it. Yeah. And it's weird, you know, the con- the the connection between this German polka and mariachi. I guess I never really thought about it, but
2: it, it's funny you should mention that too cuz I I've thought about that. The the ties where you'll you'll have, you know, some traditional Mexican music, you know, German polka music and and I'll give you another one. Some zydeco music even. Yeah. Where here yeah, yeah. In, in, in Louisiana zydeco can be king in certain places, you know, it's, it's that same, you know, when you, when you put that accordion in there, you know, especially, you know, you'll have, you'll have that polka influence. And I, I'm assuming that started in Germany, uh, but it, it is definitely, you know, reared its head in a, a variety of other sorts of music. Cause you'll, you'll start listening to it It's like, you know what, this is like polka music. You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well also I think it's that Oompa bass line that you get you know that that's like in all of those styles. it's in the polka it's in the mariachi it's in the zydeco you know um yeah and uh yeah that's just, just kind of an interesting connection there but um yeah you want to just check this one out
2: yeah let's do that
1: okay <laughs> this is peanuts Peanuts from Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass from their album Whipped Cream and Other Delights from 1965. And that's going to do it for this show, uh, episode number four of the 1000 Recordings Podcast. Um, you can email us, and please do. Please send us an email at 1000 Podcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website at 1000rp.blogspot.com. You can join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000 RP. And you can join us on Facebook, um, you know, to get updates and whatever, whatever on Facebook. <laughs> um,
2: thank you for the people who are following us. We do appreciate that. We, we gradually picking up people, you know, every week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to everybody. Definitely. Who've, uh, who've listened to the show and made comments, uh, on the show, and um, we really appreciate that. If you can get the time, you know, head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and uh, we might, you know, start reading some of those reviews on the show. So leave us a review; it will help us greatly, and we would appreciate that. Um, yeah. So uh, what's what's next? Should we give them a little preview for next week or next? Well, next week you're going to be in Vegas, right?
2: yeah that is definitely gonna be an issue we may we may be on vacation next week uh yeah but, and you're gonna see
1: Sade in vegas oh, at least I'm try <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome well, um, I hope you have an awesome time in vegas i mean, and we'll i guess we'll probably um record the next show in a couple weeks then yeah um and uh, uh I don't know do you wanna give him a preview of what's the next show's gonna have, or do you know?
2: uh let's see uh we definitely are gonna have to talk about uh marion anderson who to me is just like a legend uh that that's gonna be fun uh also uh, the animals uh house of the rising sun uh you know another legendary recording and i think apex twin
1: yeah apex twin so that'll be yeah that's that's that's
2: gonna be fun they're one of those units that I mean what's it's, it's I, you know it's really one guy, but they I mean always really interesting sound and vision from uh it's James. So that that's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um have an awesome time in Vegas. And you, sir. you'll have to tell us about the Sade concert on the next show.
2: Yeah, she's she's if if you've never seen Sade live, people please go do what you have to do even if you sit in the rafters shade is she's awesome and her band is incredible i'm just oh i didn't get to see him here in houston uh so we'll, we're going to vegas hopefully we'll get to see her there if we get to work that out that's cause that's going to be a lot of fun so
1: awesome all right well i'll look forward to hearing about it and uh until next time, uh, we'll be back with five more albums from 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you next time, Mitch.
2: All right, man. Take care. All right.
1: Later, everybody.
3: We got
4: a little number from our first album we're going to do for you. Barry starts her up.
1: say that again please whipping post okay just a second oh sorry we don't know that one anything else How <laughs> me a few bars of it please just show me how it goes please just sing, sing me whipping post and then maybe we'll play it with you Thank you very much. And
3: now...